Welcome to The Spawn Chunks, episode number 177 for Monday, January 24th, 2022. My name is Johnny, but the internet knows me as Pixel Riffs, and joining me as always is Joel Duggan. Hi, Joel. Good day, sir. And speaking of things like speaking, wait, what did I do there? If you'd like to hear how Johnny and I approach things like podcasting at home, Twitch streams, how we talk over different parts of Minecraft and different games on stream, then you should listen to the render distance. That's the extended version of the program. You can get that at patreon.com slash the spawn chunks, support the show and get extra content every single week. Uh, Speaking of every single week, this week, we were supposed to have Slice Lime on the show for an interview and a hangout. Uh, he unfortunately was, is not able to be here this week, uh, had to reschedule some stuff. We are still going to have him on the show. We just have to find a time that works better for him. Uh, and uh, we'll get back to you on that. We'll let you know when it all works out. But hopefully in the next few weeks, we'll have Sliced on the show. Yes, definitely. It's it's always a bit of a shame to have to cancel a guest spot, but we entirely understand and we want to make sure that we are as accommodating as we can be. So apologies to folks who were waiting for that, but that means you have more time to email into the show with some potential questions for a guest like Slice Lime. So so please do send those emails in. Uh, the email address will be waiting for you later as we get into the chunk mail. But first of all, we need to talk about what's new in our Minecraft lives. So presumably, based on what we talked about in the render distance, you've been playing a little bit more all of fabric how's that been going uh great actually uh running into some good and bad you know just uh but enjoying the overall modded experience and um realizing when you're in a mod pack and you've got a little bit of knowledge about how to go in and and modify it that you don't have to necessarily play with all the mods active if you get into something you're like "Mm, this is not my favorite thing and just turf it you'll get rid of the mod mm-hmm. uh, it might mean you have to sacrifice some blocks that you could have built with because so you got to make sure you know what you're removing and how much is involved but um i i've found that that control has been nice uh, especially because a lot of the mods and modding um are subjective you know when someone says it's the better end better for who yeah. like i mm-hmm. mean I, now i'm i'm not calling out better end i actually haven't experienced yet we haven't gotten that far but that's just the the first name that came to mind um now we're at that point with um the the all of fabric five playthrough where it actually has become a bit of a 118 experience because we have to do some vanilla mining uh some of the more advanced things that i need have ender pearls and diamonds in the recipes and i had very little of that actually i had very little stone also because i just i haven't needed to dig because with 118 terrain and terralith installed i've just been spelunking down these giant chasms and not mm-hmm. really had to dig that much right yeah. so you've got all these resources and then you're just like i've got 16 cobblestone to my name how is that possible um so i had to go digging which is fine because we have things like uh digus maximus which is basically a light version of vein miner um and configurable which is nice so like if you think that vein miner is a little bit op you can dial back the number of blocks that digus maximus gives you you can have it not automatically put things into your inventory um, I've done it just because of speed and stuff like that. We also have vanilla hammers in the, in the pack. So that means that I can dig like a, a three by three area down yeah. a tunnel. Mm-hmm. So that kind of stuff became, becomes nice. It's also less claustrophobic. You get to expose more potential ores, that kind of stuff. Um, so that was fun. Uh, a lot of battles. So again, not necessarily a modded specific experience, but boy, did we have to deal with a lot of deaths and a lot of um, <laughs> mobs and things like that, including... Uh, I can't remember if I mentioned this last week, but um, I've got a mod install called Creeper Overhauled. 
and it, it puts a whole bunch of different kinds of creepers in the game. And one, they're way more camouflaged. Like jungle creepers have got like flowers and plants on their heads. Oh, like, wow. You are really lucky if you can see them before they're next to you. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, and very similar, lush creepers uh, will appear inside caves, but oh, not no. necessarily in lush caves. They just kind of come up to you and they, they again, they're dark. In the, I mean, in the caves, it doesn't really matter what the camouflage is. It's black. You can't see anything anyway, unless you got torches down. But when a lush creeper explodes, it creates a lush biome. Oh, <laughs> really? Goes, <laughs> in, a, in, about the, in about the blast radius of a creeper, it just kind of goes lush cave everywhere. Now, it, it hurts you. Like, you can still get damage from it. But it doesn't destroy the blocks in its vicinity. It coats them in moss. And, yeah, as, as though you've uh, just lo- bone-mealed moss a couple of times, <laughs> basically. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, uh, glowberries and, and vines. And, like, it is. It's really quite funny, right? It, it kind of feels like a pinata. Yeah. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. kind of poof, you know? So that was really fun. Uh, got my butt handed to me a bunch of times uh, and as a result ended up removing a couple of mods Um, one was called bewitched there was some sort of hellhound in the nether which was the size of a pig as fast as a baby zombie lit you on fire and was doing like three hearts bite damage or something Mm -hmm. like you just you were dead before you even knew what was going on and the sound effects were terrible. It sounded very di- digital. Like it wasn't right. well made at all. Yeah. And then you killed it and it gave you a horn and it gave you blaze powder. And he's like, well, that's fine. But like, that is not a balanced kind of like exchange for me. And it was really hindering my progress because we needed to try and find ender pearls for the storage mod that I have installed. Uh, it's called Tom Simple Storage. And the idea is basically like a very early game version of being able to hook all your chests together and give you one interface that you can then right. um, yeah. de- deal with. But it puts it behind redstone, ender pearls, diamonds. So like you've got to be decent, decently far along before you can access this. Sure. Um, and I and I thought because of modded, like I really, you kind of need to have a storage mod in a big pack like all of fabric because you're just, I end up with chests upon chests upon chests. And trying to sort like what what item goes with what mod is really tricky. So um, so we went looking for that kind of stuff. And we just were not having a good experience in the end. Lots of deaths, uh, including uh, a slime from Terrain Slimes or Terrestrial Slimes. I think it was Terrain Slimes. It's a purple slime that spawns in the um, Warped Forest. I think instead of Enderman, because we didn't see any Enderman in the Nether uh, work for us yeah not... I, I, can, I can come back to that as a problem but but go on oh okay um anyway full armor or not f- well full-ish armor um couple enchanted iron pieces like you know decent armor uh full health one hit you're done wow from that's, that's any size of this slime <laughs> intense right? yeah and it drops and you think okay well challenge accepted like don't get hit by the danger slime that's fine um and then you punch it until it you know drops and it drops this little purple piece of slime and it's called something goo or whatever and then we went to go look up what you could craft with it basically just colored slime blocks it's yeah it's, it's nothing special and it's like no this the, is not worth the, the trade-off yeah the, the, the challenge does not really equal the reward in that case yeah it's, it's just there to get in no. your way which is kind of awkward when what you want to do is experience a sandbox rather than have like a a life or death struggle with everything 
Yeah, exactly. So I mean, it's it the, the mod pack is still fun. I'm still really enjoying getting to know the modded experience, and I feel like I can talk about mods more now, like understanding good mods versus bad, balanced versus imbalanced. Um, had a really good time raiding some graveyards. They're very cool looking. Lots of like solson and wither roses around to kind of like trip up your steps. Digging up graves is morbid, but also kind of cool because you get lots of leather, lots of zombie flesh, lots of bones in early games. So that's fun. The other loot in the area was a little bit OP. We got a wither skull just sitting on a shelf. Uh, there was a couple of enchanted golden apples. Yes, more than one. <laughs> uh, there was um, emeralds and there's a couple of totems of undying. So I'd have to get into the graveyard mod and see if there's a way to maybe um, dial back the loot. Mm-hmm. Um, because we found a couple of these graveyards. They're really fun to go through, but... Um, I, I understand, I think I like the idea of getting a lot of early game materials from it, but the fact of getting like totems of undying with, there's no enemies there. Like you can just kind of walk in and loot the place. There's no traps, nothing like that. So that kind of stuff was, was fun and, and eye opening, but also like a little bit of a, okay, like my backpack is full. Like I'm making choices now about how much to bring home. And I feel like that might've been just a little bit too much for that, that mod, but overall really good experience. Really enjoyed walking around, checking out the new biomes. Um, found a couple of new ones, uh, nothing too, too crazy. Um, but the last thing we checked out was a, a mod called Chipped, which is new to me. Very similar to like Chisels and, well, no, Chisels and Bits makes like sub block kind of stuff. But this yeah. is basically like any one of those mods that gives you like all kinds of different variations on stone or wood planks or whatever. They give you like vertical planks and diagonal planks and um, patterns and things like that. But what I like so much about them is they essentially give you a new crafting table specific to that kind of block so a stonemason's table a glassblower's table uh, a botanist's table and they're essentially just reskins and remodels of the um, stone cutter so you put in the block the wood and then just like a stone cutter you just click one to one and get the pattern that you want out the other side but you have to construct the table first and the table will involve things like a blast furnace a crafting table a bunch of logs maybe some iron ingots so it's not like day one minecraft it's kind of like mid game ish because mm-hmm. you're depending on the complexity you're going to need some stuff and what i liked so much about them is that in their design they've got like bits of minecraft blocks on them so there'll be like an iron rod uh a blast furnace and um i'm trying to think about what else was there i think there was like a, a bit of brick uh, in the the glass blowers, and then in the carpentry, there's like the head of a piston is kind of like leaning up against it, and then you've got like bits of planks underneath the table, and there's what looks like a vice, you know, and mm-hmm. a place that you could saw some stuff and a and a saw hanging from the table, like really well done. It doesn't it doesn't look overly complex. It it really fits Minecraft. Um, and uh, one of the fun things was that the botanist table. I thought like, what could this be? Like, is this going to be alchemy? Like, is this going to be like another magic mod? Nope. They're all purely aesthetic. You put in something like a mushroom and it gives you like nine different variations of a mushroom that you could then place down. It's just decorative. Uh You know, you get two mushrooms coming out of one. You get mushrooms that could like grow on the side of trees. You know, like we saw them in the, 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 the wild update concept art. Yeah. The mushrooms on the side of the birch forest, like stuff like that. I'm like, that's really cool. So we're, we're, when we get to decorating and stuff like that, we've got some really fun stuff to, um, to explore but i mean that's i feel like i've been talking for a while about all fabric five like what what have you been up to in minecraft uh first of all before we get away from that i want to talk about the enderman thing because the oh right i I think it's a 118 thing 
having changed the uh, light levels at which most mobs have to spawn, the amount <sighs> of um, shroom lights in a warped forest actually prevents Endermen from spawning there as frequently as they used to. And they weren't that frequent in previous updates, to be honest. But um, I think it's because Endermen follow overworld mob spawning rules. They don't have special spawning conditions like, say, blazes do, for example, that they, they can spawn in higher light levels. And, and zombie piglins and ghasts, I think, have a, a variety of other kind of spawning ranges that they can, uh, in terms of light level, that they can spawn in. Uh, Endermen don't. So, like, they, they have to spawn at light level zero, meaning that warp forests are a lot more a lot less crowded because there aren't dimension specific spawning conditions for endermen um so that might be why and it's going to make uh making bases in the end a little bit easier as well if you don't want endermen anywhere near your stuff they can light up a lot less but that might be why the mod pack is also having difficulty spawning endermen there and that's why you've got so many other <laughs> other things spawning there instead including the one-shot slimes um but yeah, even so, we uh, we are now at the point in the survival guide where I have finally found a 118 mountain, <laughs> uh, a desert, and a swamp. The desert was tiny um, because apparently a few other people have chipped in anecdotally about this. Um, deserts don't occur as frequently or they're a little bit further out from spawn. I expect some people will come back from this saying, well, I spawned in a desert. And they're like, yeah, there's there's obviously exceptions to every rule when it comes to 118 terrain. But I think what I've mostly found is that deserts are a little bit less common. And I found a lot of jungle, a lot of savanna, but the deserts tend to be in the kind of extreme hot and dry areas of the world, which I've had trouble finding up until now. I needed cactus, which is really all I needed. I should have bought it from the wandering trader when he came past. But um, yeah, I, I needed cactus so I could make an automatic wall farm for all 16 colors. And so I went out there. I found a desert of sorts it was basically an expanded beach uh, but i found it next to a coral reef so i got to talk about how you can make lime dye out of sea pickles as well and uh yeah i, I finally found some of that stuff i found a relatively modest mountain with a snowy peak and then when i was exploring to find the desert the next day i found a bunch more mountains so i have a, a decent idea of where some mountain stuff is going to be now and um the swamp was on the way to the desert as well so i've finally gotten into a few of the biomes that i just hadn't encountered previously and looking around for opportunities to do future farms like is there a witch hut here am i going to come back to the swamp and get slime and i think one of the things i'm going to do if not this week then soon is isolate some of those biomes which are hopefully a bit larger than the ones i've found and create nether portals out to them and string them all together and that way i have at least a warp to most of the major biome groups that I'm trying to get hold of. Um, I still haven't really found a Badlands except for a small microbiome-sized kind of strip of red sand that was in part of the desert as well, so Badlands is still evading me. But uh, yeah, been doing a lot of exploring this week, and it feels good because obviously the terrain has a lot of cool stuff to throw at you. I found a ton more villages now where initially finding a village was... A matter of running around trying to find one in the nearby plains and then going to the savannah and finding one there instead so i've got an eye for a few of the others now i still don't have a snow plains anywhere like i don't have like a a snowy kind of tundra biome anywhere even though there are snow-capped mountains nearby so i've been able to pull out some powdered snow and talk about that a little bit there's there's just bits and pieces that i'm still trying to fill in 
And it feels like by this point in the world, I've progressed to the level where I can be taking on stuff like ocean monuments. I could probably be thinking about where to find, you know, the stronghold and stuff like that. And I just feel like there's so much of my world I haven't explored yet to the point where, you know, I, I haven't found anything that feels super basic. Like I haven't found a couple of these biomes that still could be worth exploring before we go much further afield than that uh so I, i'm right now i'm trying to tick off a bunch of the generated structures so this week i went raiding some shipwrecks went to a couple of drowned ruins scouted out the location of an ocean monument and i think the rest of the week is going to be stuff like ocean monuments maybe try and find a desert and a jungle temple and a few other of those structures that are a little bit kind of off the beaten path but the kind of things that you stumble into before they become basically irrelevant right like how often do you see yeah. a jungle temple in late game and go yeah i'm gonna raid that <laughs> like the yeah the only thing you end up raiding them for is like occasionally a chance at diamonds maybe the odd enchanted book and then an enchanted golden apple is more or less the only thing because you still have to find them in late game but the desert temple isn't going to give you anything that you don't have in pretty large supply elsewhere after you've got to the point where you're not, you've got shulker boxes and you're pulling that stuff around. So it's um <laughs> it's it's kind of covering all of those bases before I make them obsolete just by the standard progression of Minecraft's gameplay at this stage. That's that's my mission for this re week really is to try and uh, get hold of all of the structures that actually make sense to encounter at this stage in the game. That's something that I've noticed too with the All of Fabric 5 playthrough is that I'm finding it challenging to pace myself. Like I yeah. don't want to rush through it. I want to go see other biomes. I want to um, progress at the same time. But I, I wonder even in, in vanilla Minecraft, where we're at with 118, because of so many layers that they've added to early game in terms of like different ways that you can get food. You don't have to make a chicken farm. Like you can eat kelp if you want to. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, there's all these different ways. And but you can still progress to the point where you're probably ready for the end before you've even seen a desert. Oh, you yeah. Know, depending, yeah, depending on what you need and what you're looking for. So as, as someone doing like the survival guy where you're trying to cover all the bases, do you find it more challenging this time around to kind of pace yourself? Yeah, absolutely I do. I mean, by this time in the previous series, I'd already fought the dragon and I feel like I was rushing that. Um, and mm -hmm. not, not in a way that felt like it was necessary, just in a way that this felt like the the progression of the game and what viewers wanted to see and then you know where i wanted to be at in terms of well i'm going to start my build projects now i have shulker boxes i can move stuff around whereas this season has been much more about let's talk about all of the things that you could encounter before it feels necessary to go and do the next stuff and so a lot of it is just running around and pointing at things right now and going look shiny thing in desert temple but i do think there's some value in that and there's a lot of value now that the overworld is more explorable like there's there's more interest around every corner in the overworld i kind of called it for a, a while back when they started adapting all of the surface terrain back in the experimental snapshots and 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 the the sort of the the data pack snapshots when they tweaked a few surface biomes i thought well you know, the overworld is going to have so much more appeal to people now. I don't see us spending a great deal of time in the nether or the end when there's so much going on in the overworld, when there's all of these massive caves and everything else. Like, there's twice as much stuff to do, it feels like. So, yeah, ticking off all of those boxes and doing a lot of stuff in the overworld first is kind of setting the tone for where I expect this update to lead us. I 
when I, I mean, we'll talk about this a little bit more at the end of the show, but having an elytra when I was exploring some of the caves was a much different experience mm, than yeah. exploring the caves in, in, in all of fabric where I didn't, I didn't have anything. I was just running around and like on one hand, it was re- like, it was good to have both of those experiences, but on the other, it was the experience without elytra that felt new. Mm-hmm. If that makes any sense, yeah. So I like I can see the delay. Like if I if I was to roll a new Minecraft world tomorrow, I would probably put off the dragon as long as I could. <laughs> yeah, and I think the caving is a really good example because if you're at the bottom of a massive kind of cavern and the way you came in was down like a water stream or something from from above, and you've gotten lost a little bit, but you can see a way out. If you've got a light tray, you go, oh, okay, I can just fly up to that. Yeah. And and if I'm showing that as a tutorial in a video, then people who are exploring these caves for the first time probably go, well, I can't do that yet because I haven't got that far. And so I feel an obligation to at least explore a lot of this stuff on foot or in some cases by, by horse um, so that I can show that that can be done before we get to the easier ways of doing things and the, the shortcuts that you develop as a late game player when you've got Elytra to hand. And so, yeah, I, I, I kind of agree. I think I'm putting off the dragon fight for longer than I expected to, but it's a good thing in the overall context of the series. Nice. Uh, let's get into the news this week. We've got a snapshot to talk about, among other things. So we will start with Java Edition Snapshot 22W03A. We've got a link to the changelog for this on Minecraft.net in our show notes, as per usual. This is our first snapshot of 2022, and it says up top that it has the aim of addressing a few issues for a 1.18.2 release before the team moves on to wild update snapshots. And of course, we've already seen a few wild update features coming through in the bedrock edition betas and experimental features but we have yet to see many of them on java so the changes in 22w03a include a seed of the number zero no no longer being handled as a special case when you generate a world any spaces before or after an inputted seed will now be trimmed and ender chests are no longer gift wrapped around christmas (laughs) so an eclectic list of changes um A few technical changes in this one include the locate command, now using a namespaced ID parameter. You'll be familiar with these if you've ever tab auto-completed some commands and it's come up with Minecraft colon something underscore something else. Um, They've also added a command called place feature. It's a new command that places a configured feature at a given location, which defaults to the player's own location if you don't enter coordinates. There are a few fixed bugs in, there's a lot of fixed bugs actually in 22w03a. We'll have a full list of those, of course, uh, if you click on the link in the uh, to the minecraft.net page in our show notes. But a few highlights include a bunch of fixes which prevent the server from kicking you for flying, uh, which is a common problem people might have encountered because it happened if you were standing on an entity with a solid collision box like a shulker or a boat that would occasionally kick you for flying if the server didn't know what you were doing uh, entering a boat a minecart or a horse while going upwards from a jump could cause a kick for flying riding a boat with no gravity on a server without flight enabled could cause it to kick you for flying you could be flying with a trident using riptide and the server could just kick you out for that as well so a few of those kind of edge cases where people might have found that the server thought they were fly hacking and they weren't should hopefully have been fixed as of this snapshot and the 118.2 update 
Um, there are miscellaneous crash fixes in here as well, just once again for some fringe cases involving world customization and tagging blocks as things that they aren't natively tagged as. There was also one that I pulled out that was uh, baby turtles suffocating on soul sand. Oh no! Uh, so I'm glad that's been fixed along with a bunch of other stuff. Once again, that's all in the Minecraft.net article for this snapshot linked in our show notes. The Minecraft YouTube channel has posted a video called The Secrets of How We're Making the Warden, which uh, is an inside look at the concept stages for the Warden, the Skulk, and Deep Dark Imagery. Uh, some very neat and creepy stuff. Worth checking it out. Yeah, um, the tone of that video, it's one of their kind of Secrets of Minecraft series, so it's a couple of animated, uh, you know, animated characters talking to camera and it's it's kind of a, a fireside chat with a guy and a computer it's not necessarily my kind of tone overall like i would have loved to hear the actual developers kind of talking about this but it's clearly pitched at some of the younger players and i think a lot of it is also showing them the behind the scenes stuff of this is how hard we think about minecraft features before they get put in the game for the younger players who might not be all that clear about how come this update has taken so long and they've had to delay the warden and everything else it's like the amount of thought that goes into a lot of this stuff is clear on screen even if it's not really outlined so much in the uh, the script for this particular video I'm with you. I tend to prefer the style of video we get from Minecraft Dungeons, where they're like cutting to B-roll of the game, but a roll of sitting down with one of the developers. Yeah, the dev diary name. kind of thing. Yeah, that kind of stuff. Um, I, I mean, I get it. And I, I did start to tune out at first because I was trying to watch it quickly before the show today and kind of like, okay, look, I've only got a few minutes. I kind of want to get to the meat of this. Uh, but they got their claws into me when they started showing concept art for the warden and the early stages because wow wow did it look different yes uh, uh and, and in a very creepy way like i think they've come a long way towards creepy but cute uh or acceptable you know like not um i don't say morbid like there's but there's definitely some twisted and terrifying stuff that they did that i as an adult am fine with but i can see some kids being like nope oh yes. <laughs> not dealing with that yeah of, of course uh, like, king b dogs has chipped in on a lot of this stuff in the uh on twitter and obviously he and the art team have collaborated very closely on the design of the warden he shared a couple of like tech demo videos and stuff alongside uh, commentary on why some of these decisions were made and there's a really interesting thread which i'll try and get linked in the show notes as well about um like him kind of outlining this is why some stuff in vanilla minecraft takes a little bit longer there are even more iterations of the warden that we haven't shown there's concept art that the art team dreamed up that just doesn't appear in this video but yeah the uh the balance of something being horror related in the context of what we already have in minecraft it needed to be dialed back and made more kind of mysterious and a little bit goofier just to make sure that things were uh, a little bit less scary or that the sound design and stuff was doing more of the work to make it scary than the the imagery of the creature itself uh, i mean i've said it before in the show and i'm hoping with the wild update there will be enough generated new content that we might be able to get something along these lines but like concept art book for minecraft when because take yeah. my money I, w I would love to have that on my art bookshelf whenever i see concept art from from this it reminds me of of the concept art that i see in a, of a lot of other games but we've just not seen a lot of from mojang until recently like in the last year maybe two 
um, more so with the Minecraft live presentations and the larger concepts that they've been exploring, have we been seeing more concept art um, behind everything? And um, I liked some of the look of the skulk as well, like um, not so much the ones that looked like rust or bones, but there was one that kind of looked like tentacles, like kind of spooky. It reminded me of um, Stranger Things. It was yeah. all black mm -hmm. and purple yeah. and kind of had like a soupy look to it. Like I thought that was kind of cool, especially if it was animated. Like if you had a an animated texture on it, like like water has an animated texture in Minecraft, I think that could be that could be really cool for the, the Skulk as well. But uh, I, I encourage people that do normally tune, tune out for these things to watch the video, uh, despite the, the tone towards younger audiences. There are some jokes for older Minecraft players in there that if you're not paying attention, you will miss. Mm -hmm. uh, there was one where... I was starting to roll my eyes. They were talking about some character's hairstyle or like we just couldn't get that right or like, oh, that's not the best though, is it? And then the, the computer kind of says, kind of like Minecraft combat. I'm like, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, there's this, <laughs> the self-awareness that's part of it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's a, yeah. It, it's a neat way of also signposting that to the community is like, yes, we still know that there are issues with this. We're looking into it, okay? Like they've kind, yeah. of, they've kind of got yeah. that got that as a, an aside. So that's that's fun. So yeah, the um, the snapshot this week doesn't bring a whole lot in terms of features, but of course being a dot update for Minecraft 118, it's not really going to. Instead, it's kind of working on a few little tweaks and, and minor issues before they move on to the wild update. But there are some good things in here. For a start, I'm actually quite happy about the ender chest change, and a few people when I was making episodes around Christmas time and there, there were, you know christmas present themed chests everywhere a few people pointed out that like yeah the single chest and the ender chest have the same texture so you can't tell whether something is an ender chest unless you're like looking for glowing particles around it and i have fortuned my ender chest a couple of times or i've you know started trying to put stuff in a chest and figuring out that it was my ender chest a second too late and so uh, it, it's kind of nice that they've removed that, or maybe they'll be rewrapping it in a different color, who knows? But uh, yeah, not something we need to worry about until, in theory, next year anyway. I can see what they mean about the ender chest uh, change. My question is, and I guess it would be more work, but could you just not make it a purple present? Yeah, I like. I I feel like there's still some change like that to be made, or you know, <laughs> if they if they want to go down the the Christmas Easter egg route, then uh, yeah, they could they could come up with something for it. I think it's just not the priority right now. With another eleven months until they need to worry about it again, I think they can put that to one side for the minute. The other major thing here is place feature, which I had a play around with before the show because I wasn't entirely certain from the changelog. I didn't really say much about what this did, and what it considers a feature is very different to what I expected. I was thinking just structures. I mean, what I think of as a structure, like an actual building, like a jungle temple or a desert temple or something, but it includes things like as granular as those jungle bushes you get that's just a, a log surrounded by leaves and, and, you know, individual trees and stuff, and it pulls them from a randomly generated library. So if you place a few different acacia trees, they are all going to be different. Uh, you do have to adhere to certain uh, conditions for the structure to generate. You can't generate a geode in midair, for example. Like, you have to generate it partly in the ground. It can sort of generate exposed to the open air above a certain level, but it has to be, like, in the ground to a certain point. Um, so you can do some some fun stuff with it, but it does need to have a... Um, 
a certain set of starting parameters. I think the same goes for like you can't place grass on sand with it, the kind of stuff that you will still get people doing with world edits where you can place like half a bed and things. Um, but yeah, not, not, not the kind of stuff that they're planning on exposing in vanilla uh, commands necessarily but still uh, a neat thing to play around with and I, I ended up placing a bunch of um, basalt delta clusters of, of basalt columns on a beach somewhere in the overworld and thought that's not something I necessarily saw as a feature I just thought that was general world generation provided by the world seed so evidently it's using those features and wherever you put them based on the world seed it's generating a little bit more randomness into them but uh, really interesting to take a look at that stuff i thought immediately of, of uh, map makers and mod authors being able to use this to their advantage you know yeah. thinking about putting a, a desert temple in a jungle you know just for something different um using these controls to then add your own custom structures and peppering those throughout the world with whatever conditions you want. Um, I, I originally thought something cool, like putting geodes in the void in the end would be neat, but if they need to be attached to something, then that's, it was a good idea in theory, yeah. but maybe not I don't in, know in if practice. You, you might be able to generate them in the end islands somehow, but I, I didn't go that right. far. I, I didn't really yeah. mess around with it for more than about five minutes. Um, but it, it does kind of open up some ideas, especially because I am playing with Terralith 2.0, which doesn't add new blocks to minecraft but it creates new mixes of blocks like taking uh terracotta clay and grass and coarse dirt with birch trees and making that into a uh i think it's called a forested highlands biome uh -huh. so it, it just it looks all natural they just they've taken some minecraft blocks that happen to work very well together uh looks like an aspen forest uh, and then they've made their own biome. So I can see, you know, having these tools available for, like you said, like the jungle tree bushes, the little short ones, uh, or acacia trees, or I'm trying to think of like, well, geodes, I mean, dungeons, stuff like that. If you're doing something like a, a terrain or a biome mod, then you could really start to open up a bunch of different things by saying, okay, well, this is really cool. I want to do a desert oasis. I'd like a bunch of those little jungle trees in here. And then you can do that which I think is really yeah. cool. Yeah, even if you're generating them like as a starting point and then customizing them from there, it's going to save you time if you're just building with vanilla tools. Like if you're not using, you know, a world edit or something like that, then you're you're going to find yourself doing some some fun stuff with this at least. So uh, yeah, hurrah for the map makers. That's, uh, that's, that's not too bad. I'm probably going to hold off with updating to 1.18.2 when it does come out. Uh, for us on the Citadel, there's a lot of quality of life mods and, and data packs on the yeah. back end that have to be updated and maintained. And where it's such an incremental thing and we've not experienced a lot of the bugs that they listed, um, we're probably just going to wait for a while until everything is caught up and then we can go ahead and, and update. I mean, Fabric is notoriously pretty fast for that kind of stuff, but I did run into some issues with updating some very basic mods this weekend that did come out with new new versions, but it ended up crashing my game. So, um, you know, patience with this kind of stuff is usually a virtue. Yeah, definitely. Uh, um, on my end, though, I'm probably updating more or less straight away. Like, I'm not even using Optifine right. yet, so I've, uh, yeah, got, got plenty of... Plenty of chance to hop into 118.2, assuming that everything is uh, all good for release. Moving on into Chunk Mail, if you'd like to email the show, you can send that to spawnchunkmail at gmail.com. A reminder that you have uh, some extra time to send a message uh, or a question for Slice Lime uh, when they're going to come on the show. Uh, please indicate that it's a it's a question for that episode. Uh, keep it brief. 
uh, keep it to the point uh, to allow us to try to get as much uh, user and, and listener feedback as we can. Uh, our first email this week is from Will, I believe an or producer. Uh, they indicated they were a patron, but I, I they didn't say which kind. And that was the only Will that I could find. So uh, the subject is a boring deep slate alternative. Not what you think. Dear Joel and Pix. I was recently listening to episode 174 when you discussed using a wither to obtain large amounts of deep slate, and I think I have a suggestion that might work a little better. A tunnel bore. Given the blast resistance of stone and deep slate is 6, the tunnel bore would work just as well 64 layers down, although you may encounter more large pools of liquid in 118. Ilmengo has a great design that I have used for over a thousand blocks, and I think Doc M has used that design in a Hermitcraft Season 7 episode. I often use the tunnel bore to procrastinate on other things in Minecraft. Thanks, Will blew up due to a tunnel bore malfunction. So not without its risks, apparently. <laughs> yes. Um, so having been familiar with Doc M's Hermitcraft episodes where I've seen this tunnel bore in particular used, the main problem, I think, is needing to use them in an environment that is free of mobs. Because if you imagine, like, you, c you can sit on these things and they end up being automated to a certain point right you can you can effectively either manually operate them or you can set them up so that they're automatic and you just ride a minecart on the thing but then if a creeper wanders over to you and you're afk and it blows half of the thing up you've got to rebuild it more or less from scratch because there are certain things that are going to be like out of sync with the other parts of the contraption and more things can end up blowing up as a result and your TNT can go off and that kind of thing. So for a tunnel board to be most effective, you need to consider building a mob switch and also probably a bat switch because the TNT can collide with a bat in midair and that's never a good thing. Um, so you, you do need to have a few more considerations than just just build the tunnel board. <laughs> and, and even that is uh, is quite a um, an exercise in patience, I think. The appeal has to be balanced with a certain amount of patience because you've got to either understand the redstone very well or have pretty meticulous attention to detail when following the tutorial which you know at the best of times you build a tutorial wrong and it looks kind of awkward if you build a tutorial for a tunnel bore wrong then you could end up blowing yourself up along with some of the resources that you've tried to put into the thing in the first place i have yet to build a tunnel bore or any kind of like self mining machine in in minecraft and i wasn't necessarily looking forward to like mining a lot of deep slate um i know i like the block and i want to use it but like i just you know i was thinking like oh gosh more mining you know when you're end game server it's kind of a uh you try to think of more creative ways to do it uh this might be one thing that i try uh the other thing that i i you know this made me think of is just simply tnt mining like i mean it's, if you have end game resources like a creeper farm and a lot of sand uh, then you could potentially uh, create, you know, a, a string of TNT and just mine stuff that way. I know Etho is kind of partial to, to doing that kind of stuff. And I've never done it. It just looks kind of fun to get a light a string of TNT on, you know, on fire and watch it explode and then collect all the blocks and may not be quite as lava and, and inducing and treacherous as, you know, mining for netherite that way. Uh, netherite scrap in, in the, in the, uh, the nether. So uh, I might give that a try. Um, with TNT, and this is partially an embarrassing question, but also for anybody that doesn't know in the audience, with Deep Slate and TNT dropping block, like 100% of the blocks that it blows up, will TNT drop Cobbled Deep Slate or Deep Slate? Uh, you get Cobbled Deep Slate. So you get, yeah. whenever a, t a TNT blows something up, you get whatever you would have mined 
if you used an unenchanted pickaxe, basically. So you're not going to get fortune on the diamonds or redstone or whatever you find at that level of the world. Um, you're going to get cobbled deep slate because TNT explosions don't have silk touch, you know? Um, it, it's going to drop whatever block would get destroyed effectively by you mining it with a pickaxe, yeah. Cool. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think it's fun. I think it's a great idea to to attempt i think it's safer than the wither i would be more comfortable doing this than using the wither. <laughs> yes like you can't necessarily turn the wither on and off so easily without just killing it um and it's arguable whether or not the wither would take more or less time given that you know you've got to set up maybe a slime farm or something like that to have all of the slime blocks to move the tunnel bore around for it to be self-operating but you've also got to grind for wither skeleton skulls to fight the wither every time you want to do that. And I think, as usual with redstone, like the long-term benefits really start to weigh in. Of Once you've got this thing set up, in theory, it's going to run forever. Um, yeah, my main problem is just troubleshooting when something does go wrong and, and the pains of using them in a, a mob-rich environment. I also wonder, as per um, Will's email, if you encounter more issues with it in 1.18 not just because of liquids like you know aquifers and, and lava and that kind of stuff i wonder if cave environments being so open might disrupt certain designs because the way it's flinging the tnt requires it to explode in a fairly specific place that carves out enough of the area that the machine itself can continue through the tunnel it's digging for itself and i don't know if that gets gets thrown off if you're not digging through a completely solid area i'd presume not like i'm pretty sure the the folks who design these things have tested them meticulously in a variety of environments but 118 cave generation is much bigger than it would have been in previous versions so there might be some some teething problems there when you're introducing it to uh, to 118 they're also really cool and i wouldn't want to blow one up <laughs> well yeah i mean that's the thing with um with uh, some of the new caves, there's not a whole lot to blow up. Like, you're, you're blowing up the empty air at that stage. But, uh, mm. yeah, in, in terms of the contraption itself, I wouldn't want to blow one of those up either because they, they're, a, they're a lot of effort and uh, probably worth it, though, if you want to get a, a whole lot of deep slate. And speaking of what you might want to get a whole lot of deep slate for, uh, we decided this week that with our guest not being able to attend, we would shift to a different topic we're going to think a little bit more about project planning because now that a lot of people in the community are going to have their 1.18 worlds established if you started a new world or if you're going out and looking for an area of your existing world that's more 1.18 focused like joel has been on the citadel a lot of people are going to be looking for the ideal location to build a base and i figured we could talk a bit about what we look for how we choose a build style uh, how we end up compromising our vision for something based on just the terrain that we find, and what even counts as a base anyway, which is a, a question I run into a lot because people ask me, you know, is this your base when I'm building, you know, uh, a big town or something, or even something like the museum from my previous survival guide world. I kind of don't think of it as a base. I just think of it as something that I'm building for the sake of building it, uh, which can kind of rubs up against some people's take on what a survival game like Minecraft should be. Uh, so let's start with the, the basics. How do you tend to look for areas? Like what, what, what areas do you tend to look for when you're trying to figure out a place to establish at least a build, if not a, a base proper? So I think that for me, I'm, I'm kind of a naturalist in real life. So I enjoy hiking. I enjoy the outdoors. I tend to turn my nose up at you know new shopping malls clear cutting <laughs> forests and stuff so 
in Minecraft, I tend to look for inspiration, look for the landscape to speak to me. I don't look at a mountain and say, cool, something I can level. Mm -hmm. I look at a mountain and say, cool, do I want to look at that or do I want to build on it? Do I want to build in it? Like, do I want to hollow it out and, and create some sort of like, you know, tunnel thing? Um, and so I, I find that I walk around and kind of wait for Minecraft to, to speak to me. And it does so in two ways. Uh, you can look at an area and see something really cool like a couple of waterfalls uh and go like oh this has potential like in a lot of times and i think in in great strength to minecraft's design you're not necessarily going to find a perfect waterfall mm -hmm. you know i'm using these as an example but you, any 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 kind of feature in the world mountain cave whatever there's always going to be something where you're going to be like this could be this is cool looking and it's inspired me to make it a little bit better, make it my home, add all kinds of vegetation, customized bridges, like whatever it is that you want to accent that area. A lot of times I will be building something near a natural feature, like building a cool bridge that's near some cool looking waterfalls and pools because it's going to be fun to look at when you walk across that bridge. So that's kind of the motivation for, for a positive sense. In the other side of things, it'll be like, oh, that's a wonky hole in the middle of where I want to build a path. I should fill that in, mm -hmm. you know, or, uh, oh, look, there's a tree that's cut in half because of some, you know, biome glitch or, or something. And just like, I'm going to cut this tree down because it looks really wonky. So stuff like that, I find is another thing where I just like, you know, with a passion of 100 blazing shovels, I want to fix the problems that I see. You tend to get uh, rid of the, the floating islands and stuff like that. The, the, yes. The, the little patches of gravel that have spawned in the air in the, the mountain biomes for no real reason. Yeah, like this weird spiky floaty mountain thing would look cool if I connected it to the mountain next to it. Like then it becomes something that doesn't look so weird and ends up looking kind of cool. So that kind of stuff I find encourages me. And and I think too, it's more of just an instinctual thing. Like when I look at a bunch of mountain peaks, as I did recently on stream, we went and looked at the new 118 area on the Citadel to get some ideas. And I immediately just started walking around. I flew around first and I started walking around on the ground and realized like, I don't want to build on the mountains. I want to look at them. So I started immediately just instinctively planning out a path where it would meander up the side of the mountains. Most of the time you're going to have a mountain view when you're on the path uh, and trying to have it snake and stay close to the natural terrain. Obviously, we'll adjust some things as, as time goes on because uh, I'm a bit of a perfectionist when I build and I like to try to change that kind of stuff. But for the most part, I was just kind of going with the flow of the landscape. And there were a few parts where I'm just, I thought in my head like, yeah, when we eventually build this path, we're going to have to like fill in a bunch of dirt so this isn't so steep and try, try to make it so that maybe it's like a slab stair experience where you don't have to jump ever you can just kind of walk the path naturally and and all that kind of stuff and i think that um having done that in one of the areas on the medieval realm where it's a forested path and even though it's nothing crazy it just it has like custom placed stones and coarse dirt and things like that and it's a much more pleasant experience to walk down than it is to just walk through the natural minecraft experience mm -hmm. um I, well i say that it's a it's a subjective idea but it, it feels lovely and fantastical and not just vanilla generation which is nice yeah um, but that that's where i get my inspiration from a lot of times in terms of choosing a location it's usually like um for a build uh it's usually like you know what's pretty where do i want to build um, the other thing is, as you mentioned, like if it's a base, I don't know if I necessarily have always built like bases, which I think is something that comes from like YouTube culture. And I mean, I'll use Hermitcraft as a big example because they tend to have these giant, you know, um, bases or mega bases as they call them. And they're not necessarily buildings or, or houses or castles or anything like that. Like they're very often like geometric 
areas, you know, spherical yeah. or floating or just the weird and wild and wonderful because they just, they have the time and the resources to put the, t- you know, into the builds. And, and I've done something similar in terms of like my swamp. I call it my swamp base because I don't know what else to call it, but it's all very resource gathering intensive. Like it's all farms and gathering and manual mining and sorting systems. Like it's not really meant to look like anything other than what it's functioning to do if that makes any sense yeah yeah no i i find that my base in a single player world especially is almost always just at or near spawn and it's somewhere friendly that i can respawn if i break my bed somewhere else and die and it's a lot more of a kind of early game basic and functional area and there's some people in our live chat who are saying like for them storage equals base like if you've got a bunch of chests there and it's where you've been accumulating your resources that's where your base is because it's a place you have to return to for more practical purposes uh, too tied to brain says my base always ends up being a cave with a bed and a storage room and a strip mine underneath it because that's it you're, you're getting resources at that stage and For me, that's where I go. I don't tend to consider my themed build areas as bases um, because a base tends to be, for me, somewhere that you, you know, generate and store resources a lot of the time. And I think the two can coexist quite happily. You know, you can build a town and then live in the town. (laughs) And some people like to, you know, have a, a house for each type of thing that they need to do with whether it's like you know there's a a house where all of the brewing stands are kept and a house where the storage goes and a house where whatever else happens you know you you do your smithing table stuff in a forge kind of building and that's a good way of motivating yourself to build a few different structures in a place instead of just putting everything in a basement but that's what i tend to do so that everything's in one place and I can get on with building some more pretty looking stuff on the surface that isn't necessarily functional, but it is aesthetically what I want to build. I'm with you when it comes to looking for a base location. I definitely tend to search for the landscape that speaks to me, the area that just feels like this is too cool for me not to build something here. And Mm -hmm. surprisingly, I've found very few places that really say that to me in the survival guide world so far the only one that i'm 100 percent certain i want to build in is a dripstone cave in the savannah biome which is open on a couple of different sides so you can look into it and you see the stalagmites and stalactites from the the ceiling and the floor the other way around <laughs> flip those and you you kind of see the teeth of this cave and you think oh, okay there's there's got to be something in there it's a massive open space on the inside there's a couple of those larger pillars of dripstone and it has a secondary cave system that it goes into from this sort of you know landing area in in the 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 cave that's open to the surface and so i thought no this is something that i want to build a mining area of sorts but not necessarily a mining area that i need to go and gather resources it feels like the kind of area that people would find and then start to mine out themselves and the the huge dripstone pillars there feel interesting enough not to destroy you'd build some stuff around them you'd have little kind of you know winches bringing people up so they could like tap away at the sides of these things with a pickaxe instead of breaking out whole blocks of it you know and i think there's potential for you to use the mechanics inherent in stuff like dripstone to you know have that be a place where you farm dripstone with the water drop mechanics or you farm lava with cauldrons considering those are the natural resources that are there but I still think it's an area that aesthetically I don't want to completely destroy. Instead, I want to enhance it with some of the stuff that I think I can 
bring in there and do fun stuff with. So I think that's really where base ideas are going to start. For me, though, I tend to want to start building a project like that on a much more open surface area like a planes. I want to do something neutral before I get into something that's more heavily thematic and out of the way feeling like like a cave base like that. I've been thinking about why I've been building in uh, planes biomes and also kind of rolling my eyes at why I've been building in planes biomes because uh, it was... It, it's, it looks at the other biomes, like I'll see a cool taiga forest, I'll see a cool mountain, and I'll see rivers, and the thing in between them all is usually a plains biome. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, it usually involves less clear-cutting, less cutting down of trees, less removing of obstacles, sometimes, uh, when you want to build there. And But at the same time, as you're building, you're just like, it's the same old grass color, It's the like everything is just dirt and grass and natural stone. There's not really a lot of variety whereas the moment you go to build in something like a taiga you've got berry bushes the trees are different colors the grass is a different color uh, if you're in a snowy biome there's different challenges there and so um i realized that a lot of it has to do with just time resources and being like okay i don't want to spend all my time clearing an area if i need some place to be flat i'm going to look for someplace already flat you know before like before we built the modern city because of the restrictions of Minecraft, and this is kind of something else that comes into play, depending on what I want to build, I find that I'll look at what restrictions we have. Minecraft slabs have limited textures. And if you want to build ups and downs and hills in a modern city, more often than not, it kind of looks like stairs, depending yeah. on your mm -hmm. imagination. And depending on what texture you want to use, like a lot of our texture in the roads is powdered um, concrete. So you can't make really smooth hills with that. You have to switch to a different texture. So... As a result, we picked a very flat, which we also manually flattened, like right down to sea level uh, area for the modern city because it just means less uh, ups and downs and stuff like that. Um, and as a result, the hilly things that are around us create a nice little valley for for the cities to be nestled in. Um, but for, for me, the other thing about those early bases especially is it's a combination of, like you said, wanting to build in an area that speaks to you, but I also kind of want to be equidistant to like different resources. So like, cool, I can see a birch forest on the edge of my render distance. There's a taiga forest over there. If I know that there's a dark oak forest without too long of a travel, then that's good. Uh, I'm also looking for a place where there's maybe a cave opening for less digging. Uh, there, I'm looking for maybe like, you know, maybe we're next to an ocean easy water sources if is there a lava lake nearby like i tend to want to be someplace fairly central when i start out so i'm not thinking okay great i'm just going to build at the first cool spot that i find and then i'm regretting that if i had only built 200 blocks south i would be way closer to the desert yeah. <laughs> you know mm -hmm. like that that kind of stuff i find um although i have to say it's a lot less of a problem now with 118 because i find that with like beaches and stony shores and the different way that they've got the terrain going i find that your resources are despite the fact that i feel like the biomes are bigger your resources are a little bit more diverse in a shorter area a smaller area do you find that yeah yeah like i i I usually, I want a biome where I can stand in the center and not see the edges a lot of the time. And I think that varies depending on what's around it. Like, if, if it makes sense to have a town next to a forest, because the forest is, like, where the town would get a lot of its lumber, especially if it's in a kind of medieval sort of 
area, right? Or, or even the forest becomes like a natural reserve for a more modern place. So it makes a lot of sense that you've got resources close to hand. And like you, I tend towards more temperate biomes. It's not only just like the flatness of your average plains biome, but it's about not having interference from snow that you'd get at higher altitudes, not you know, have easing it easy access to basic resources, like if you're digging down, you can quarry for stone. And clearing larger areas in those dense biomes like jungles just takes so long. And you can if you if you have fire spread on, you can burn half of it down, but then it feels like you're wasting resources to hoarders like us, right? So um it tends to be that I'll I'll try and build in an area like that and you've just kind of hit on something you know that, that i hadn't really considered is that the other biomes around you feel much more like landmarks that somebody in this plains biome would want to see you know like if there's a mountain nearby you don't necessarily want to build on the mountain you want to build in the lee of the mountain so that you can look up at it and have some perspective on the world around you but if you're building in an area that feels completely flat then you don't really have the sense of character from the landscape around you it has to be something that you're willing to build in yourself if you really want it to feel like a real place at that point Something that I was just thinking about too is that one of the reasons why I didn't build in heavily forested areas in earlier versions of Minecraft is because they can be dark. Yeah. And a lot of mobs can spawn. Whereas it's still possible, but it's going to happen a lot less often now. Um, like a lot of the skeletons that hang out near Dartmouth Meadows are absolutely in the taiga forest because that's where they had all the shelter. Mm -hmm. um, but it, it there's more light that gets in there now. And, and I feel like... Um, that is going to influence new players that are coming into new worlds. Like you don't have to necessarily build in the broad daylight. Like that's one of the real big appeals of a plains biome is of course the sun lights everything up that spawns at night. <laughs> yeah. Know? Yeah. You know, there's stuff like that is, is, is advantageous. Uh, and, and I mean, and I've noticed that the opposite of course, is that when I've been going into these deep dark caves, I think like, this is really cool. I'd love to build here. But then I think, well, now I also have to light this entire thing up. So like, there's also a give and take with wanting to build in a cave in 118 where, you know, if that's what you want to do for a base, you kind of have to light the whole thing up like a Christmas tree first and then maybe strategically make it feel darker and cool again once you know that you've got, you know, your spawning areas covered and and different aspects of that sorted away. Um, with with resource gathering and, and we'll call it like base building, you know, because um, I think about it in two ways. Like I think about it in like base and then like military base, like secure perimeter, you're building stuff inside and you're doing your farms and your storage and stuff. But also like I find that base mint and just base in general, like base tends to be like under something. Mm -hmm. Like you've got a cool cabin, but then underneath it is where you've got like some massive storage system and stuff like you've got the aesthetic build on the top, but then you've got all your Minecraft necessities like hidden somewhere generally, you know, um, for, for me, a good example is, is the keep the basement of the keep right now in, in the West Hill build is a storage system for bulk blocks. It's where all my shulker boxes are on the wall. It's barely even decorated. Like it's, it's just meant to be a big functional room for me to quote unquote play Minecraft and then everything else is decorated and has function in the town. And I've had that occasion where someone will come into the stream and ask me if this is my base. And it's, I'd, I often say, no, this isn't my base. My, the home base in, in, on the Citadel is really the community area where a number of people have contributed a bunch of different farms for everybody to use. And so within a stone's throw, you can get animals and mining and, you know, purple blocks and tree farms and like mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff is within reach. And, but it's not one 
building. It's more of like a a hub, I guess yeah. we'll yeah. say. Yeah, and I, I feel like hub areas like that tend to be more the thing on servers a lot of the time because they're like mm-hmm. that's it's the sharing resources kind of concept of the whole thing. But even then, that's the stuff that I was doing in my first single-player world, and that's really what I'm doing now as well, is building a lot of the farms and stuff in a central location, not even because they need to be in the spawn chunks because it's only really iron farms and a couple of other mob-based farms that do. The rest of it is plant-based, and you have to be within range for it to grow, but it's still nice to know that all of that stuff is there and you can come back to it and it's all kind of in one place and it's a place that you can do more or less anything with aesthetically if you decide to build your your aesthetic projects elsewhere and i'm trying to sort of vaguely get an idea of what i want to do with my spawn area but i've decided for my own sanity that it's not going to be a place with a unified aesthetic it's not going to be everything is built after a certain style or everything is landscaped a certain way i'm going to do much more of that elsewhere i i find that i theme stuff based on not necessarily materials that are native to those biomes but it often helps because there's materials that look good in those biomes and more often than not the art team has chosen certain aesthetics for like tree types for example that will go really well with the grass color in a certain area say so like acacia trees is a great example or or dark oak trees with the different grass colors in those two biomes you find that the tree's log color and the plant color often complements that aesthetic really well and there's no reason you can't move them around between the two but once you've started to do that there's more subtlety in whether your build style is going to blend in or stand out and yeah my my example is like you don't want to build something out of blackstone in a desert because it's going to be so high contrast with the landscape around it it's not going to make a whole lot of sense unless your goal is to have it feeling unnatural you know is this something that feels like somebody has just raised this dark tower out of the desert in defiance of the landscape around it you know in my case Mm -hmm. I decided to terraform a desert into something a little bit more lush, but I was working that around sandstone buildings, and so it still has that kind of oasis vibe to it, and you you find stuff like that in the real world to a certain extent. I think you can start to blend more fantasy into your world if you're building with materials that look completely different to the natural resources you're going to find in that area. And you can bear in mind that if you're building something that feels closer to real life like a rustic settlement or a modern city they can exist just about anywhere because in real life we have built more or less everywhere you just have to think about you know are there resources nearby for the people you know what are the transport options of the people of the time you can build a modern city in a desert you look at las vegas for example right yeah like you can build that anywhere because travel is much more free but you're not necessarily going to start building stuff like that in medieval times because where are you getting your water and you know you can maybe do that as like a frontier town once people have slightly more sophisticated technology and know how to build wells and and like this there's a a variety of stuff you can do there but there's a lot more um a lot more consideration to be put into the theming of things when you're straying from where do these people just need to live in basic living style and and that's always where the the base building side of things gets interesting because in minecraft you don't need to worry about where your 
getting water from <laughs> because you know in, in that case it's, it's just for filling up potion bottles and converting your concrete and that kind of thing and you can create infinite water anywhere so you don't have the same restrictions that real life would impose on you when choosing where to build then again you know mushroom islands and stuff like that also exists so it, t- it tends to take a bit of a trip towards the fantasy side anyway at that point it's funny that you mentioned that because um now with 118 in a modern city in a desert you've got the opportunity to not have to be restricted by having weird colored leaves and grass like mm-hmm. you can have moss moss carpet azalea bushes don't um change color i think i don't think birch does either but like you can have greenery in your city that doesn't go brown yeah you know like everything else does and and that opens up avenues for different locations uh same thing with this, like a city in the badlands uh i um I was thinking about themes and I have a, um, an interesting kind of like observation and question. So when we started Dartmouth Meadows, everybody kind of built whatever they wanted and it was early game. So you're u- using resources that are available to you. Oak, spruce, there was dark oak nearby, but there wasn't really an established theme. It was kind of like just kind of no holds barred. There's a, a red barn with a bunch of uh, livestock out front. There's um, a modern looking California house on the hill. Uh, there's, uh, you know, a, a tree forest and a, and a, and a portal. There's a log cabin, which was the first thing that I built. Uh, and then there's a bunch of like modern kind of looking farms that have like log flumes in them for item transport. So they go from being like concrete and glass to still having like that rustic kind of like panning for gold kind of look to them. And it was this thing where we just, I always have just called it like Minecraft style where it's kind of no holds barred, but because everything is still built, but uh, to your point from birch, oak, and spruce and other local blocks uh, like stone and 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 concrete, um, it all kind of works, you know, because no one decided to build like a bright purple house out of yeah, purple. Mm-hmm. You know, like there is a purple farm and that's got purple in it, but it makes sense because visually you go, oh, that's the purple farm. <laughs> you know, like yeah. that's, that's where that exists and that makes sense. And, and I find that... Um, in in setting up the new 118 mountain zone on the citadel the idea that we discussed behind the scenes is like it's kind of like we want everybody to build close together we want it to be a group build we don't want to have any set theme to restrict creativity but we also don't necessarily want people to come in there and build like a 40 foot pumpkin and live in that you know like we it's it's weird how you want it to feel like minecraft but you don't want to set any like really strict parameters and so i don't know what to call that kind of theme. I see it all the time on servers with experienced players like Hermitcraft or Legacy or um, on this other servers are escaping me right now, but like they'll build whatever they want, but for whatever reason, because of the color combos or the the effort to make it look like it belongs in wherever they're building, it doesn't feel alien to like the person that's built the weird and wacky thing in the desert that's still made out of some parts of sandstone doesn't feel completely out of place with the some the person that's built like a cottagecore little cute thing in the flower forest like because it all fits it still seems to fit together even though if you put them next to each other out of context it would be like why is there a pyramid next to a cottage yeah doesn't make any sense i i I still maintain that minecraft has its own aesthetic now that's like yeah (laughs) minecraft base is its own vibe like uh, i'd I'd hesitate to call it an architectural style because it is all architectural styles but yeah eclectic tends to be minecraft's aesthetic a lot of the time and it still works for it because all of the blocks in the game look like blocks you know there's there's a certain yeah, established true. patterns that a lot of this stuff follows right 
Yeah. And I think part of it is like how quickly in Minecraft you go from a desert to a, a badlands or a mountain or whatever, um, because it's such a small span. Whereas in real life, you've got to drive miles, mm, yeah, you know, hundreds of miles potentially before your environment and your ecosystem is going to change that dramatically, usually. Uh, and I'm not always, but like, the, you know, there's obviously outlying examples, but for the most part, like there's no deserts mostly in this half of North America. Like I've got to go halfway across the continent before I can find a real desert. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and so that kind of stuff, I think aids in Minecraft's ability to have things very close by and within viewing distance that either belong or don't belong or, or, you know, and I guess some of it just has to do with the player's mentality of like, what are you going to accept? And, and that's why on the Citadel, we have zones where like, okay, this is medieval fantasy. Please don't build skyscrapers in this area because it will throw off my groove, you know? Like, <laughs> And, and I, I find it difficult in starting a new player area in Minecraft to get away from the rustic look because so many of the blocks in Minecraft um lean that way right they 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 make you feel like you want to build cabins and walls and and paths and things like that you don't necessarily immediately think skyscraper when you look at your surroundings in a minecraft world so um i'm trying to figure out like in this new 118 area what i want to build where i want to build like do i want it to be more modern um i'm thinking of going into the lush cave and just kind of building a bunch of cool pathways and having the lush cave be my decor and not having to worry too much about decorating things mm -hmm. um and speaking of themes that brings me into something that i really liked about what we did on the citadel in the nether and that is we did not worry about what it looks like from outside of the tunnel yes so mm -hmm. most of the time you can't see the outside of the tunnel because you're digging through tons and tons of nether rack or um we just have decided don't care uh, there are some places where I took some time to make it look good from the outside, but most of the time it's it's inside and that's what matters. And that opens up all kinds of creativity because you don't have to worry about the shape of the thing. Does it make sense in its environment? You can't see beyond the four walls. So do you want to make a nice tunnel? Awesome. Does it turn the corner and turn into a fire tunnel? Yes, it does. It just, who cares? And for us, it became a fun way to, rather than litter the place with signs, have like ice tunnel goes to the ice biome. It also goes north. Uh, dark oak tunnel and flower forest are south. So the tunnels are pink and colorful and reflect that. Desert tunnel made of sandstone, like that kind of stuff. And it allowed us this immense amount of creativity uh, that does not look out of place because the nether is a weird dimension. Your brain is already kind of like anything kind of goes in here. Uh, so really it's just a matter of, uh, you know, what kind of creative idea can you come up with for a theme? And I've used that uh, and having an area like that on a server, I think is really good as someone that was, you know, fairly new to Minecraft four years ago um, to stretch your legs, to try something in a section of a hallway or a cool hub or someplace that you want to kind of make your own in the nether and not have to worry about blending it into the landscape, your neighbor, uh, your own build. Like if you've got this really cool tower build, but you want to build a futuristic thing, go build in the nether or build a futuristic tunnel and kind of stretch your legs and see what you can come up with. Sometimes I just play with colors and textures in the nether and there's no theme whatsoever other than, I don't know, blue. You know, I just kind of want to, want to make it look neat. And that's my only goal. And I think that's another strength of Minecraft is that even though I think right now the zeitgeist, there's a lot of like, builds that look like things like they look like houses even if they're walking on legs they still look like something whereas i've not seen as many kind of abstract i'm gonna build in everything that i build is gonna be a, a rhomboid cube 
you know, or everything I build this season or, or on a server or whatever is going to be spheres. I'm going to live in a series of floating spheres in the sky. No one seems to get that far out. Uh, I say, I shouldn't say no one, but like the people that I see in general don't seem to get that far out with stuff. Yeah, and I think it's because spheres are just a pain in the butt to build. Well, yes, okay. <laughs> might not be a good example. Yeah, yeah, circles but no, in Minecraft. I feel it. I feel it though. It's it's definitely kind of fun to to push the envelope every so often, and it it does take a little bit of effort sometimes. When I think if you hand a kid a piece of paper and tell them to build uh, to draw their house, they're gonna draw like a box with a roof on it, regardless of what their actual house looks like. Like you've got to develop an aesthetic sense over time and figure out how are you gonna push that, how are you gonna do something different this time but that's all part of the fun um this has been a great conversation and i'd like to continue it in emails that we might get from our listeners of course so if you're interested in emailing the show once again spawnchunkmail at gmail.com let us know how you define a base what you're interested in building and if 1.18 is inspiring you or hindering you in those goals that's going to be it for this episode of the spawn chunks you can find more information about the show and links to some of the stuff that we talked about today at the the music for the show is composed by me and the spawn chunks is proud to be a listener supported podcast if you're getting some value out of the show why not consider putting some value back in you can do that at patreon.com slash the spawn chunks you can join our community there pledging at any level gets you an invite to our patrons only discord chat and gets us closer to our next milestone goal which we have in theory tech hit uh we got a couple of adjustments to make behind the scenes but hopefully that should be going ahead as planned we're currently at 325 patrons which explains how we've just hit our monthly milestone goal we are up nine from last week which is pretty incredible um last week's patreon count was 316 so we are we are growing fast apparently at the beginning of 2022 special thanks go out to our content engineers hunter 555 jumbo sale and yitz thank you for your support on this episode Sharing the podcast with your friends is the easiest way to support the show. You can find us at The Spawn Chunks on Twitter and Instagram. Personal recommendations are the best way to share the podcast. Just poke a friend in the arm from a safe distance. Use like a broom or something. It's kind of fun. Uh, And tell them that they should listen. And they can listen on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and YouTube. Really, wherever you can find a podcast. You can email the show once again at spawnchunkmail at gmail.com. The RSS feed is linked at thespawnchunks.com. And the patron-only RSS feed is on the Patreon page. That's where you can listen to the render distance, the extended version of the podcast. My name is Johnny, but online I go by Pixelriffs. You can find most of what I do at youtube.com slash Pixelriffs, where I try to make sense of this bizarre and wonderful game in Season 2 of the Minecraft Survival Guide. I also stream three days a week on Twitch, where I do behind-the-scenes work for the aforementioned YouTube series, and I'm the voice of the unofficial Hermitcraft recap, which will be back when Season 9 begins. In the meantime, you can find us through a quick YouTube search, and aside from that, I'm at Pixelriffs on both Twitter and Instagram. Joel, where can people find you online? Everything I am doing online, including in my illustration and design portfolio, is at joelduggan.com. Really, links to everything I'm doing are there, including the Citadel Cafe, which is my podcast about sci-fi and fantasy entertainment. Coming up this week, I'm going to be talking about some animation, I think, with Lou. I've got to confirm what's going on there, but that's going to be fun. You can follow me at Joel Duggan on social media and, of course, Joel Duggan on Twitch, where I'm playing all of Fabric 5 for a modded experience and, of course, working on the Citadel on weekends and working on the West Hill Medieval build. Thanks for listening, Rachel L. Have a nice drive to work. Thanks for visiting the Spawn Chunks. The world outside is infinite, so it's best to plan ahead.